listener production. This is Global Truths with Dr. Keith Souter. Join us every week as we break down one issue in global politics so that you can understand what's going on in the world right now, but also what's likely to happen in the future. Our host, Dr. Keith Souter, is one of Australia's leading commentators on global affairs and geopolitics. My name's Sasha Barbagat. I'm a journalist. And this week, we are diving deeper into far-right extremists in the US, as well as their desire to take out critical infrastructure with the hopes of causing mass chaos and damage. Thanks for being here, Keith. I wonder how new is this phenomenon of taking out facilities like power grids and dams? Well, we've known for quite a while that the American infrastructure is actually very weak. Engineers, a professional body in the United States, says there are 50,000 bridges that are unsafe to travel over. 50,000? 50,000. But they can't be closed down because there's no money to repair them. Mm. Now, one of the things that President Biden has managed to achieve is getting an infrastructure fund created to do some of the repairs on, on bridges and other things. So infrastructure is something we just simply take for granted. Yeah. But this group that we're looking at today, some of the far-right extremists, have decided that they want to bring the United States to a standstill, and the best way to do that is destroy infrastructure. Mm -hmm. So if you think back to 9-11 in the year 2001, that was the attack on the two World Trade Towers and the two other targets. If those terrorists had targeted the water supply from the Catskills into New York, that would have had an even greater impact than just demolishing two buildings because the Americans can uh, live without the World Trade Towers, but they do need their flushing toilets and drinking water. Yes, you think so. And so the water that's piped down from the Catskills, uh, which are pure water, it's good water, but there are only three tunnels which carries the water down. So that is a vulnerability for the city of New York. And then when you look across the United States, you see so many other points of vulnerability where you could disrupt the United States. And it may well be if there were a conflict between the United States and China, for example, the Chinese would look at hacking the IT software that controls infrastructure. Rather than a head-on military collision, Mm. they would just try to disrupt ordinary life in the United States. So infrastructure is something that we take for granted, but it has also a military significance that we need to pay far more attention to. Yeah, so can you tell me a little bit about then the far-right movement in the US as it stands at the moment? Who is involved and what are they hoping to achieve? Yeah, so the article we're looking at today is from our friends at the Sufain Centre who write very well on terrorism. This newsletter is far-right extremism, continue obsession with targeting critical infrastructure. And so what they're doing is looking at the recent arrests of neo-Nazis in the United States who plan to target the power grid in Maryland, which is in the northeast of the United States. And one of the people arrested, Brandon Russell, is actually a founding member of a group called Atom Waffen, who promote accelerationism. So there's a bit of jargon there. So Atom Waffen is German for nuclear weapons. Atom weapons are nuclear weapons. And these people are admirers of Hitler. Mm. So they like uh, the, the far right of Germany. And their political agenda is very similar. Also, they're against Jews, etc., uh, people of colour. And 
what they're about is this thing called accelerationism, which I must admit, until I read this article, I'd never come across it. Right. It's a whole new term that's been opened up for me. Oh, God. So accelerationism is an idea apparently which began well out on the left but has now moved across to the right. Okay. So the idea of accelerationism is that conventional politics don't work. And so what you've got to do is to find a way of disrupting society and bring it to a halt. The old Trotskyites, for example, who were on the left, were a real pain in the neck to those of us in the peace movement, for example. In fact, I often thought that the Trotskyites were being financed by CIA <laughs> deliberately to disrupt <laughs> the peace movement. So these are people who took the view, look, um, involvement in conventional politics is a waste of time. What you've got to do is to destroy society and then a better version will emerge from it. Now, my reply to the Trotskyites is always, if you look at the history, where you have chaos, it's usually the military who come to power. It's not the left who suddenly come to power, it's the right. Yes. So what we see, ironically, is this sort of mindset, which has now moved across the spectrum, if you're with me. We're now on the extreme right. <laughs> Most Trotskyites have retired and are just writing their memoirs, so they're quite harmless <laughs> nowadays. So now we move to the right. Yeah. And so the accelerationists, again, adopt that same point of view that being involved in politics is a waste of time. And so what you've got to do is to find a way of disrupting society so severely that society collapses. And this will then be the opportunity for the right to seize power. So it's interesting because at the time of, of Donald Trump's popularity, there was a lot of attention given to what was called the alt-right, mm. the alternative right, yes. which was seen as far right. Now, we're talking about a group of people who are to the right of that far right. right. In other words, they're saying the problem with the alt-right is that they're still involved with the political process. They're supporting Donald Trump. Okay. Whereas Donald Trump's going to be a failure, that from by their standards, if he were in the White House, which is where he ended up, of course, and trying to get back in. And they're saying, look, this sort of thing is a waste of time. What we need is far more violence, and we've just got to disrupt society. And what is interesting is that once you dig into this subculture, suddenly you see a huge number of linkages. For example, four years ago, we had that terrible massacre in New Zealand, mm. the two Islamic places of worship. Well, that person was a subscriber to accelerationism. Right. In keeping with what Jacinda Ardern says, we won't refer to the fellow by name, but that terrorist was, again, somebody who wrote in his own manifesto about accelerationism. So this idea that somehow, that he's actually Australian, going to New Zealand and causing this social disruption and setting one group off against another will lead to the collapse of government legitimacy and we will end up then with a whole series of crises. Now, that I, I don't agree with that reasoning at all. No. But what I have found fascinating, because as a result of this article, I've had to go down my own rabbit hole of looking <laughs> at accelerationism. And I've been horrified, mm. the number of, of different groups that are now involved. So this Atom Waffen is simply a German-supporting neo-Nazi group. But that's only one variation. And the people who have been identified in this article, Brandon Russell and his colleagues, they're only one group. So the way in which the accelerationists operate is that they operate in different cells in countries. Now, I might say that they actually banned in Australia... Canada and the United States, but it doesn't stop these people from, from operating. And so th this is the mindset which they've got. 
And so they want to use this extreme violence to sow discord. For example, they'd be in favour of gun control, not because they want to surrender their guns, but because if the government was somehow to introduce gun control, which in the United States is next to impossible, but if it were to do that, then you'd end up with the gun owners rebelling against the government. Right. And again, sowing the discord. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the, they also support Senator Sanders with his ideas on the welfare state because they reckon that if they were implemented, they'd end up bankrupting the United States. Wow. So you see, there's, it's yeah. a very perverted logic. There is a logic there, not one that I accept, but it's important for us to try to understand it because clearly not all of what we see in political discourse is reflected in our news programs in terms of the mainstream media. There's a whole other world out there mm. on the internet where these groups communicate with each other and as they get banned from one social media platform and another, they find alternative ones like Telegraph by which to communicate. So there's a whole subculture out there busy accumulating guns with a fascination for violence out to disrupt the United States. I guess... um. The question that comes to my mind is, is there much legitimacy to the threat that they pose? As in, is it such a small subset of people that even if they did try and do this, nothing would happen? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, can they actually have a big impact? Do they have enough people behind their cause? I would have thought that they would not have much impact, but then the media will play along. This is the problem we have generally with terrorism, that the number of Americans who die in terrorism each year is far less than the number of people who die in America falling off a ladder. Mm. But we give coverage to the handful of people who get killed in terrorism, but not to the risk posed by getting up a ladder. Yeah, that's you know, right. Slips, trips and falls and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. And also, you know, we've just recently lived through this scare over the balloon, plus three other objects. I think we should that talk have about that. across the United <laughs> yeah. States. Yeah. And the media ramped that up. Now, China and the United States spy on each other all the time. Right. But suddenly this this balloon suspended over the United States, visible to the naked eye, suddenly galvanised the country. Yeah. So getting back to your question then, Mm. could the group do much damage? I don't think physically they could. They might try to blow up a bridge, which is clearly what they were trying to do in Maryland. But you rely on the media to just talk up the threat and add to the general sense of, of anxiety. I teach young Americans. They're all very anxious young people. Mm. It's very worrying how the media play into that. And, of course, that's the mainstream media. And then you've got, of course, all the the social media and all the other unregulated areas that can also ramp up. In terms of a direct attack, no, I don't think they could do that much damage. But on the other hand, by the use of the media, by Facebook and all the rest of it, remember the Christchurch terrorists, broadcast his attack via Facebook Live. And for a while as well. Yeah. It's crazy. It took them so long to take it down. Exactly. Yeah. This is Global Truths, and this week we're discussing the far-right extremist movement in the US and their desire to cause mass chaos by taking out critical infrastructure like power grids. Now, Keith, you did touch on it just before in terms of their communication and how they're doing that. What sort of thoughts and ideas are being exchanged and how are they planning these attacks there? Well, they're using, obviously, alternative media to communicate with each other. So they're doing it in ways that make it difficult for the authorities to monitor for sure what is going on. So that becomes a 
a major problem for the, the police, etc. And they turned out to be very good at the way in which they can handle social media mm. so they can communicate with the public. And in this article that you sent me from the Soufain Centre, and you touched on it at the very beginning of the episode, this pair, what were they What were they specifically trying to do and how were they foiled? Do we know? Yeah, so they were planning to disrupt infrastructure in the American state of Maryland. Mm-hmm. They were obviously being monitored. And more, let me just say that Brandon Russell is very much on the radar screen of FBI. Right. Uh, FBI have now got yet another set of initials we've got to get our heads around, REMBE, okay. which is Racially and Ethnically Motivated Violent Extremists. Okay. Uh, so we've got another set of <laughs> <Great>. <laughs> uh, initials to think about. Yeah. Now, FBI have over the years warned about the rise of these extreme right-wing groups. They're monitoring them. But the person who had that project at FBI actually quit FBI because the Republicans in Congress said, you are monitoring our supporters. So so FBI at one point just stopped doing this work or at least stopped talking about what work they were doing. I think the mood has now changed. I think there's greater acceptance even amongst Republicans Mm. that you've just got to keep an eye on these groups. And that was the problem for uh, Brandon Russell and... Sarah Clendaniel, they were being monitored. And so FBI nipped the plot in the bud. Mm. The Capitol riots showed the types of people getting involved in similar plots, groups, whatever you want to call it. Is this movement widespread around the world? Are we seeing similar things in Western countries as far as you're aware? Or is it a uniquely American problem? I, I don't think it is uniquely American. I think that if you plug it into the wider ideology, which is what we've just been talking about, which is accelerationism, and also what's called the Great Replacement Theory, which says that white people are being replaced by non-whites. So, And it's an issue that we have touched on in, in this program, not to scare people, but just simply to draw attention that young white folk are not having that many children, any more than the Chinese are, by the way. We've touched on that as yes, well. We the have. Chinese are going to grow old before they grow rich. <laughs> Meanwhile, you have other societies where you have more children being born. And so the people who propagate the great replacement theory are arguing that the whites are going to be outnumbered by non-white people and their societies will be swamped. Mm. Now, if you look at the figures in Australia or even France, we've got a long way to go before that comes into effect. But that that's the sort of fear which they're tapping into. And unfortunately, you've got a lot of racist groups. Now, they're because of the way in which these people operate, they're not part of some sort of global movement whereby you have one supreme international CEO. They have realised that the best way to operate is through independent cells. Mm-hmm. If you're part of a, a national network of some sort, then all it requires is for the police force to pick up one lot of people and then you get to find out what's happening across the country. This was the problem for the old IRA in mm-hmm. Northern Ireland that in the old days of IRA it used to be very bureaucratic and very centralised. And so the British Army used to just pick up a few people and learn about the entire organisation. Then IRA decided to break down into cells, which were much more self-governing, autonomous. The problem with that is that you don't have control over what the cells do. Yeah. And the thing can turn out to be very violent indeed. Now, we're seeing that with this um, Atom Waffen and these far-right 
ethnically and racially motivated violent extremists. They're working with their own agendas locally. That's how they safeguard their security because it's very difficult to find out the big picture overall. And instead, we just end up picking up particular individuals, like, you know, what we learned about the guy in in Christchurch, for example, in New Zealand. And now we've got these two characters in Maryland who've gone to jail. So what we see then is just picking up these almost in a haphazard way and not able to scoop up everybody. So this will be a problem that's going to remain because this fear of white people being replaced by non-whites is to be found in many countries. And I think that risk remains with us because of the racism that is around in so many societies. Yeah, and that was going to be my final question to you was, you know, are we ever going to see these groups disappear? I I feel like, you know, we're hearing more and more about it at the moment, particularly in the wake of Donald Trump and his presidency. Is this kind of a shift in demography in America? Is this going to be a new subset and it always going to be there? I, but that's my fear. Yeah. I'm not sure. I'm always a little reluctant to say always. Sure. <laughs> I know. Sorry, I speak in absolutes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I think for the long term, clearly this is a problem. You've clearly got people who are very worried about where their society is heading. Plus, of course, we've got a host of social disruptions emerging, the impact of robotics, for example, and climate change, all the issues that we cover each week in this series. And so there are a lot of anxious people in the United States. They are vulnerable to being mobilised by people who are talking about your jobs are being threatened by this influx of people coming in from Central America, etc. So that risk will, will remain, I think, for for the foreseeable future. Well, thank you for your time and your insights this week. Appreciate it, Dr. Keith Souter. Thank you. Global Truths is presented by Dr. Keith Souter and me, Sasha Barber-Gatt. Audio production by Niall Fernandez. Theme and original music by Matt Nicolich.